to main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Joanna Y, who writes, Hello, my favorite actress is Anne Hathaway. I love Anne Hathaway. And I just saw that she is doing a movie with director Doug Lyman that is supposed to be some sort of comedy set during the pandemic. I'm not sure how I feel about this. A lot of people have died, lost their jobs, and suffered a lot during the pandemic. Is a comedy about it really that good of an idea right now? What do you think... Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And yes, there has just been uh, this uh, news just came out the other day that Anne Hathaway, uh, who I adore, by the way, I, I just absolutely adore Anne Hathaway. I think she's fantastic. Anne Hathaway signed up to do this thing called Lockdown. I believe it's what it's called. Yes, it's called Lockdown with Doug Lyman, who has done a bunch of work with Tom Cruise. We're all familiar with his work with Tom Cruise. Uh, he did that film Jumper. I got to work with Doug Lyman for a day on the set of Jumper, which is kind of fun. Uh, he wouldn't recognize me from Adam, and that's perfectly okay. But they are working on this little film called Lockdown. Now, this is how it's described. Anne Hathaway is in final negotiations to star in Doug Lyman's Lockdown, a heist movie and romantic comedy taking place during the pandemic. So it's not really about the pandemic per se. Stephen Knight wrote the script and PJ Van Sandwich is uh, producing with uh, Allison Winter and on and on. So they really don't give us too much more about it other than it's called Lockdown. It's going to be set during the COVID-19 thing, which is hilarious because here's what happened, Aaron. A little while ago, Rob and I were doing the show mm -hmm. and... Some, it was a couple of months ago and the pandemic came up. Somebody asked, do you think you can make movies about the pandemic? And Rob and I specifically said, actually, think about it. You do a show, a movie about the lockdown. You could do a heist movie. Like the world's in lockdown. You could do a heist movie. And obviously, Doug Lyman had the same kind of idea. So here's the thing. This is a... Or they just stole yours. Or I mean, they just... I mean, obviously... You should 100% see that. It's the American All the studios watch way. this show every day and steal all my ideas. Yes. But it, it does seem like a natural fit, right? It's a global situation. This is a situation environment. The whole world is living it. Mm -hmm. And to use that as the backdrop... I, I listen. You're, there are going to have to be stories told. This, this, we're all going over six months now. Half a year of the existence of this planet has been living in a basic lockdown. So there are going to be stories to be told: happy stories, sad stories, funny stories, horror stories, whatever, as a background. So I think it, maybe it's too soon to make a straight-up, ha-ha, knee-slapping comedy about COVID. Maybe, but the idea of setting a movie during this time frame, I actually. Personally, I can only speak for myself. I don't personally have any issues with that. Aaron, you hear about this. What do you think about it? You know, my initial impulse was ugh, cringe, but I, you know, after thinking about it for a minute, I, you look at the players involved. Stephen Knight is not, not to be confused with Stephen, Stephen S. DeKnight, who yes. two different guys. Spartacus. <laughs> yes. Um, Stephen Knight is a very talented and very accomplished and quite respected writer. Doug Lyman has an incredible body of work. Anne Hathaway, regardless of what the Hatha haters want to say about her personally, I don't care. She is like, it, it's not even a conversation. She is incredibly talented. You cannot watch Les Mis without believing that she is just an, an undeniable talent. So those three people involved, I go, all right, clearly they know something that I don't. This is what I what drives me crazy, though. You know that I hate clickbait 
you know, headlines about yes. movies where they're like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And this, but we're not going to tell you anything about the movie, but we're just going to give you this one little carrot. I hate those things. Tell me about the movie. Tell me what the plot line is. All we're hearing is the clickbait of pandemic and comedy. You know, the heist is sort of buried in there a little bit. And the reality is we've already been seeing projects that have to do with the pandemic. We've already seen, you know, the um, All Rise did an episode that was a socially distant episode. Mm. We're seeing, uh, you know, television episodes where people are streaming and they're all coming in from different, you know, there are different backgrounds and they're we're all in on the reality that there is a pandemic happening. So why would that not also translate to the film industry as well? Um, that being said, I agree with you. As long as it's not done in a ha ha, isn't the pandemic so fun? Look at all these people out of work. Look at all these people that are right. homeless. Like, like and, I, and I don't think that just because it's set in this time period does not mean that it's going to be a laugh out loud romp about this time right, period. Yes. And so I think that we really need to differentiate those things. Um, so I'm actually, I'm remaining cautiously optimistic that they are going to do this with the um, sensitivity that it requires and that the comedy is going to be more about the actual circumstances that maybe could happen in any other time period but the actual uh specifics of it are going to be how to nuance a heist within this new world that we're living in right and and listen i i completely agree you don't make you don't make the butt of the jokes the virus itself obviously i just think if you set it as the background it can be perfectly fine and yeah uh, i mean look at snl coming back after 9 11. yes that was a great yeah that was a great example of it and you know and i agree i don't care what anybody says i think anne hathaway is awesome i yeah, think she's she is. flat out awesome so she is i'm looking forward to seeing this and remember this movie is still it, they haven't even started shooting it yet. They're just locking things down. This movie ain't going to come out for a year and a half, maybe two years. So it's going to be well distanced away from us. Anyway, guys, what do you think about the sounds of this? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Jared Oberfeld. And Jared Oberfeld writes... Well, this sucks. <laughs> Deadline is reporting that Wonder Woman is possibly going to be bumped off of its October 2nd release and Dune may not release this year. Your thoughts and keep it filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, yesterday we were just all celebrating the fact that the Dune trailer dropped, right? I, I thought the trailer could have been better. To be honest, I, mean, I liked it. Dune is still my number one most anticipated film of the year. It's going to be awesome. <clears throat> Personally, I thought the trailer could have been a little bit better. That being what it is. But we're all excited about Dune maybe coming out. Now, it's supposed to be coming out later this year. What is supposed to be coming out sooner is Wonder Woman. During the pandemic, we all know that a movie getting bumped, as Wonder Woman has already been a couple of times, that Wonder Woman getting bumped again is definitely a possibility. Well, there are other things that may cause Wonder Woman to get bumped that we haven't even considered. Check this out. This does come from us from the folks over at Deadline. And they wrote the following. With New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco movie theaters still not open, our exhibition sources are telling us or are hearing that Warner Brothers is apt, they're thinking about, 
moving Wonder Woman 1984 again, this time out of its current October 2nd date to either sometime in November or possibly late December. And if they did that, that would bump the studio's legendary feature, Dune, out of its December 18th weekend to sometime in 2021. Tenet is another reason why. Think about this. I never thought about this before, but think about it. Tenet is another reason why Wonder Woman 84 may not be able to go during the first weekend of October, with sources currently estimating that New York and Los Angeles won't open movie theaters until early October or in late September. The Christopher Nolan movie will still need to make a big splash in those markets or at least make its best effort. Having Wonder Woman 84 in Tenet's way won't help its hopeful domestic tale at the end of the, at the box office. So basically... We're sitting here looking now at a situation where Wonder Woman, which has been bumped a couple of times because of the pandemic, may get moved again, but not because of the pandemic. Number one, problem number one is, of course, tenant. If Los Angeles and New York, and we're starting to slowly see some counties, you know, San Diego has opened theaters, Orange County is opening theaters tomorrow. Um, so they're slowly starting to open the biggest markets like New York City, Los Angeles, things like that still closed, may not open till October. That's when they really want to make a big splash with Tenet. Can't do it if they got their other big movie, Wonder Woman open at the same time. So maybe we need to move it. Well, where do we move it to? Well, they don't want to bump Wonder Woman too much further because they've already bumped it a couple of times. So maybe November, December, not too far off. But if you do, you've got Dune sitting there. Well, then what do we do with Dune? So now we're looking at Wonder Woman getting affected. We're looking at Dune getting affected. And listen, Aaron, I, I, I get it. There's a part of me that wants to say, you know, hey, wait, we've been waiting for Dune, okay? Dune had that released. Let's let Dune come out. Wonder Woman, you get pushed to February or March. I get that. But at the same time, Wonder Woman has already been delayed a number of times. If you need to push it again for Tenet, you don't want to move it much. You know, maybe by eight weeks, you know, something like that. But you don't want to get into 16 weeks, 24 weeks, you know, whatever with that. And if it means having to bump Dune a couple of months, maybe that. So we could see an entire new reshuffling of things here um, just for the sake of them wanting to make sure Tenet gets its proper Los Angeles and New York, the biggest city markets out there. Aaron, you're looking at this. If you're in charge of Warner Brothers, what do you do with this whole mess right now? What do you think the best approach is? Well, if I'm in charge of Warner Brothers, what I'm also looking at um, is the uh, are the numbers for tenants so far. You know, outside of the Los Angeles and the New York market, tenant is not uh, it's not doing well, even with the. Uh, theaters that are open and then practicing all the social distancing measures, theaters are not seeing the sold out numbers that they were expecting. Um, the numbers that tenants is that tenant is pulling in are just not that high from everything that I've been reading so far. So I think that they want to a space that out a little bit more. I do believe that New York theaters are going to open a little bit sooner than we maybe thought because just what was it yesterday or the day before it was announced that um, New York restaurants are going to be open for indoor dining. Right. So that gives me an indication that maybe New York is a little closer to opening their theaters than perhaps we thought. If people are going to be able to go inside restaurants and eat, obviously you don't have masks on when you're eating. 
That gives me an indication that New York is starting to slowly, you know, open things back up. Theaters are not going to be far behind. Obviously, that's a huge industry in New York. Um, If I'm in charge of Warner Brothers, I am just going to bump Wonder Woman to one of the big holidays, Thanksgiving or Christmas. Mm. And then I'm even if Dune gets bumped to 2021, which obviously we want it sooner rather than later. But I also I want to see a much bigger rollout for dune i feel like the people who know about dune and know that dune is coming are the people who are already anticipating dune the people who already were fans of the franchise but um outside of that group of people they're not being warner brothers isn't really marketing the film and saying hey if you're not familiar with this brand if you're not familiar with this we're going to bring you in we're going to teach you about it right now everything's sort of all jumbled up with maybe it's Wonder Woman, maybe it's Dune, maybe it's this. I want to see Wonder Woman have its proper opening. And then I want to see the focus of marketing on Dune and then open it later. I don't want it to be shuffled around. And I I feel like Dune just might get lost um, if we don't give it its proper marketing time separate from Wonder Woman. Right. And, you know, you're saying something that I was kind of talking about Dune is that I think, you know, the comparisons to Wonder Woman, to Wonder Woman to 2049, to Blade Runner 2049, mm. was that, you know, Blade Runner trailers came out and a bunch of people raved about it. It's like, but my concern was these trailers are not telling people what this movie's about. I don't think Blade Runner's is as popular amongst general people as other people think. And so the core audience thought it was going to be huge. It turned out to be a flop, even though the movie's great. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are overestimating how much of the general movie-going audience cares about Dune so far. And that's why I really felt like when the new trailer came out, that that trailer needed to specifically target people who are unfamiliar with Dune. Yes. And instead, I felt like the first trailer came out and it was specifically targeted at people like me who already knew about Dune and already care about Dune. And I think that might bite them in the ass later. So I, I think you're right. I think in this whole terms of with Wonder Woman and everything, you're going to want to make sure Dune has its own focus. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see. The question for you guys is, what would you do? I mean, this this is, through no fault of Warner Brothers, this is a little bit of a mess. I, I mean, what do you do with it? You want to make sure Tenet gets a proper boom in, in Los Angeles and New York. What do you, Wonder Woman's already been bumped. What do you do with Dune? How do you approach it if you're in charge of Warner Brothers? Jump down to the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Walton McGuire. And Walton McGuire writes, Hello, John and Aaron. Um, if she's there and she is here as yes, a matter of fact. Yes, she is. Hello. One of the movies I'm really excited about is Eternals. You, me, and a lot of people, my friend. Uh, I was bummed when it got knocked out of, uh, knocked out to 2021, but it's getting closer. Just wondering if you saw what Kumail Nagiani's comments about the movie. It pushed my excitement into overdrive. What did you think about his comments and do they get you more hyped for Eternals Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And of course, not the next MCU movie to come because the next MCU movie we're waiting on is, of course, uh, Black Widow. But the next big one after that is Eternals with a killer cast top to bottom being led by Angelina Jolie and one of my favorite guys in Hollywood ever since I saw The Big Sick. One of my favorite guys in Hollywood, Kamel Nagiani. This dude is absolutely bonkers hilarious. 
I love watching this guy on screen. Even when I'm not even particularly fond of the movie he's in, Stuber, anybody. <laughs> uh, that being said, I love Kamel Najiani. Kamel Najiani came out and he was talking a little bit about Eternals. And he said this. He said, I know there isn't much news yet. I'm in the dark too. Like just about, you know, hey, when's the trailers going to drop and all this kind of stuff. I'm in the dark too. Trust me. I can't wait for it whenever it comes. But I promise the movie will be worth the wait. It is the most exciting, fun, epic, thrilling, hilarious, and moving project I have ever been a part of. This is the guy from The Big Sick saying yeah. this is going to be more moving than any. Really? Because The Big Sick was pretty damn moving. And he wrote it about him and his wife. And it's damn hilarious. <laughs> and it's damn hilarious. Project I've ever been a part of. And it's massive. The scale of it is unlike anything I have ever seen. I would walk on to shoot and be awestruck by the sets every single day day he says all right first thing i should mention to get this out of the way this is one of the stars of the movie i mean what do we expect him to say yeah it's gonna be all right no of course he's gonna hype it up but still with that <laughs> that grain of salt there it is cool to hear a guy who's kind of as blunt and as kind of he just wears his heart on his sleeve as Camille Nagiani to talk so much about this. And look, it shouldn't surprise us too terribly much. This, of course, is a project that was able to lure Angelina Jolie to come into the world and become the kind of the head and the main face of it, as well as a lot of other players. It is the MCU. It is under Kevin Feige. So, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be all that shocked and surprised. Does Camille's comments get me more hype for the movie? Even knowing this is just PR coming from one of the stars, I'd be lying if I said it didn't increase my excitement at least by a little bit. And I'm already pretty excited for Eternals. I mean, it's not my most anticipated film but for 2021 by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm excited for it. And even though it's this is one of the stars of the movie, I got to say, Aaron, it does get me even a little bit more excited. So I like hearing this type of enthusiasm. Aaron, you've heard Camille's uh, uh, comments here. Are you more excited for Eternals now? Or as an actress yourself, do you know that this is just part of the game and it doesn't really move your needle? What are you thinking right now? Well, first, I love that the graphic... I know that you didn't choose this graphic, but I love that the graphic that was chosen behind the quote was him shirtless, <laughs> yeah. which I think is just going to be like the image. I mean, it, it just... Camille Nanjiani's transformation for this film um and and his uh his his physique being plastered everywhere is is quite funny um and good for him for having the commitment no i don't this doesn't sound like an actor just kind of giving fluff because this isn't happening at a press junket this isn't happening um he doesn't have to go into that much superfluous detail about his enthusiasm over the film at this point in the game we haven't even seen <clears throat> excuse me we haven't seen a trailer we do we, we there's a there's a picture for you there it is there it is <laughs> he got because if you saw the big sick he's not a big guy well i mean i'm a huge silicon valley fan and right? so yeah. like he's that you would just never expect that from him it's kind of like uh like when ryan reynolds made his transformation from going from being the national lampoon guy to uh how he looked in blade three right. and it transformed his career so good for him good for kamal um i yeah I, I, this sounds really authentic he doesn't give off that he's the type of hollywood actor that just blows smoke for the sake of blowing smoke again we're so far away from the film actually coming out that 
this is this sounds to me like a guy who is really excited, who is almost as if he's a fan himself. And when you see someone that, like you said, wears his heart on his sleeve, doesn't seem to give a lot of um, uh, doesn't seem to blow smoke a lot for projects that he's in. He's not just saying, oh, yeah, it seems like it's going to be a really cool project. And they clearly spent a lot of money because the sets were amazing. No, he is as excited about this film as you know maybe fans who have seen the first trailer would be so i think this is a really good indication that there's something exciting coming down the pipeline i am looking forward to seeing a trailer i'm looking forward to seeing um, a little bit more about the story and where they're going to go like how far into the comics are actually going to delve and uh yeah I, if he's excited i'm excited i'm a fan listen I'm, I'm always looking forward to trailers for movies i'm excited about and that i, I want to see but with eternals it's there's more like I'm, I'm more excited for the trailer for Eternals almost than I am for the movie itself because I have no idea what this movie's even going to feel like, mm -hmm. you know, look, look, yeah, I'm looking forward to a trailer for Godzilla versus Kong. But I but you know, know what, what that, that movie's yeah. going to be, right? I'll look forward to the next trailer for Black Widow. But you know what that movie's going to feel like. Right. You can look forward to the next, maybe Amazon's uh, Lord of the Rings show. But you know what it's going to feel like. What they're going to do with Eternals, I have no idea. Like, you know, I have no idea what this is going to feel like. Do you know offhand who is directing? The, who, who's oh, the director? I forget her name. I, I should... Uh, let me pull... Oh, pull. she's... Um, I saw a picture of her yesterday. I'll I'll pull it up here. So the Asian woman, yes. yes, I knew that. Chloe Zhao, that's who's mm -hmm. directing it. That's yeah, he right. speaks very highly of her, right? And says that she just doesn't. What is do you, what is her background? Like, I'm just curious because a lot of times you see directors have a certain tone that they carry through. And even though yes, we're in Feige land, and he's going to have his finger on whatever is happening, and so he's going to control it to make sure that it fits into the entire universe. Um, having an idea of her background and other projects that she's directed also will give us a little bit of a hint. Um, the only thing I've ever seen of hers, now she's got Nomadland, I, mm -hmm. I believe is that either has come out already this year or hasn't yet. The only thing I got turned on to this one movie she did called The Writer, only after I heard she was directing Eternals. I the mean, Writer was, with a T or The, the right, rider, rider with a D? Like it's about a cowboy, suffers an injury, all this kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Um, I got turned on to that, brilliantly directed, all, but that's the only thing I've seen got of her. It. So it's going to be interesting what we see. Now, some people may say, well, you know, if she's never done anything like large scale, why do that? All I can do is say is go back to what Kevin Feige told me when I had him and James Gunn and Chris Pratt in studio to talk about Guardians. I asked Feige, I said, you know, James Gunn, because you got to remember before that first Guardians movie, James Gunn had done low budget, like a smaller, smaller stuff. Mm -hmm. And I said, was there any concern in your part for that? And what, because he hasn't done this. And all James or all Kevin Feige said was, a good storyteller is a good storyteller. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's a five thousand dollar budget or or a five hundred million dollar budget. I mean, there's no such thing as five hundred million dollar budget, but I mean, not yeah. yet. Yeah, not yet. Because there's no if, if you're a good storyteller, you're a good storyteller, and that's clearly the same approach. Kevin. Well, Feige that's how you here. sometimes see people that like we were talking about. What was that horrible trailer that sh you showed me the other day? I the one that made remember. me jump out of my skin, and I hate you for it. Oh, oh, lights, lights out. out. 
Lights yeah. out. <laughs> you know, like if you can tell. That was fabulous. It was a short film, not a trailer. It was a, that too. Right. Two, sorry. Two, a short yes, film. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. No, it's great. And if you, you did scream. You scared Joey. You oh, so hard, she you jumped me. off of my life. I was afraid that your neighbors were going to call the cops. I sounded like I was being stabbed. <laughs> so, but that's the thing is if you can tell a good story in five minutes, 10 minutes, then you can tell a good story when you're given more money and more time. So, um, because in fact, that's one of the things that a lot of times filmmakers do have a problem with is how do I tell a complete story in 10 minutes or 20 minutes? Well, if you can do that, well, then having extra time and extra money is just going to make your talent that much better, that much broader. All right. Question here is, guys, I want to know what you think about Kamel's comments here about Eternals. And I want to know what you guys think about Eternals in general. So I decided to make that the topic of today's question of the day. Just before the show started, I created this poll. And by the way, you can find this poll on the community tab on the YouTube channel. By the way, guys, make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel. Keep up to date on everything going on, including the polls that we put up in the community tab. And I asked you guys just before the show started this simple question. I asked, Kamel Nagiani is raving about the upcoming Marvel film, Eternals. If you had to guess, where do you think Eternals will end up amongst the other MCU films? Right now, a little over 4,000 of you guys have voted, and here's how you guys have voted. Only 7% of you are guessing that Eternals is going to end up as a top five MCU movie. A full 47% of you think it's going to be a top 10 MCU movie. 39% of you thinking it's going to be in the bottom half of the MCU movies. And only 8% of you are worried that it might end up in the bottom five of the MCU. So it seems like everybody's feeling pretty good, not overly optimistic, but feeling pretty solid. Um, like I said, 54% of you are at least thinking he's going to be in the top half. So that's interesting to see. I'm going to leave this poll up for the rest of the day. Jump on over there. Again, it's in the community tab to register your vote. But for now, you guys can jump into the comments section below and leave your thoughts. What do you think about these comments? Where's your excitement for the Eternals right now? All right, guys, with that all down and out of the way, let's now move in and start taking your guys' live questions. And once again, you can start firing in a live comment or question simply by using the tip link that's in the top of the description of this video, streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. All right, let's get on over to it and get things started. And we're going to get things started here with Michael McCann, who writes... Just when I was completely over movie trailers using slowed down versions of classic rock songs, it is a common trailer trope. Dune goes ahead and uses one perfectly. This film looks amazing. I can't wait. Keep bringing the filthy. And listen, there are a bunch of people that agree with you. I disagree. I thought it was a, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. It's a fabulous song. Misplaced. I, I did not think mm -hmm. it worked for this trailer. I thought this trailer should have had a classic, powerful score to it. Again, to me, and, and I understand the symbolism of using that particular cover and, and you know whose song it is as it relates to old Dune. I get it. I understand that. But I, I really think, and that's why, like we did the poll yesterday, and less than 60% of you guys said that the new trailer for Dune made you more excited for it. And I think that's a reflection of the, of the fact that I feel like this trailer was more targeted at us than the wider audience. And that just makes me a little bit nervous because that's the same approach they took with the Blade Runner 2049 marketing. Another Denis Villeneuve film, a film that turned out awesome but didn't get the box office results. So, But there are a bunch of people who really liked it, Michael. I'm glad you did. All right, next up. Uh, Captain Brad Brickley writes, 
I didn't think any movie could top my excitement meter more than the Batman. Then came along Dune. Wow, that blew me away. I got to read that book now because I am stoked up for this film. I can only hope my local IMAX is open. If not drive in, it is. Listen, there's a reason why Dune has been my number one most anticipated film of the year. I cannot wait for this. You got one of the best directors working today directing it. He put together a great cast. He's got some fantastic source material, difficult source material to make. But I am beyond stoked for this movie. Beyond stoked for this movie. Shadow Jester writes, When John Boyega says that the planned, that they planned Ray and Kylo, he didn't mean everything, but Ray was planned to be the hero and the focus. With himself, he meant how much he was marked, uh, he was marketed as a main focal point in seven, but relegated to a side piece in eight and more so in nine. Again, but he's wrong. I mean, that's the thing. I, I love John Boyega, but he was wrong. Um, he had a lot of screen time. He was given his own story thread. It just wasn't a good story thread. Um, and yeah, I mean, and again, what makes, what frustrates me, especially as a big fan of John Boyega, what frustrates me was about his comments was it was all me, 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 me. He's, it's not about him. It's the character. He is there to serve the character. And yeah, they blew his character. They misused his character, but they blew every character and they misused every character. And with Ray, see, at least his character with Finn, they kind of misused it. They didn't completely bend it over with lube and completely screw it like they did with Ray's character. Like that character, they just botched like right from the beginning. And her comments yesterday kind of confirmed that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just I I love Boyega. Can't wait to watch him for every movie he does for the rest of his career. But I, I th there's a little bit of me universe about his comments that were a little bit off-putting and, and just I just think he was objectively wrong. I just thought he was object objectively incorrect. All right, Silva McShave writes, with the mentioning of Game of Thrones in the Mandalorian article, how long into the series will they go before Baby Yoda is killed off in a horrific way? Aaron, I can't remember. I know Tom has. I'm just going to go on a limb and, and believe Tom has, but I can't remember. Have you watched Mandalorian season yes. one? Yes. Okay, dude, I can't, couldn't, I just couldn't remember if we talked. I didn't want to assume anything. Yes. So, they showed the first images yesterday. Um, nothing ground shaking. You know, there's a picture of Mandalorian. There's a picture of Cara Dune. There's a, a picture of keep forgetting Carl Weathers' character's name. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, there's the child. And John Favreau was saying, you know, we're also going to do multi stories like in Game of Thrones, because in Game of Thrones, they have multiple things going on at the same time. We're going to get into that a little bit, which made us think that. Oh, so we're going to see Mando and the child doing something, but then we're going to see Cara Dune and Carl Weathers' character off somewhere else doing mm -hmm. something. Game of Thrones, much like Sons of Anarchy, kind of became known as a show. It's like, don't get too attached yep. to the characters you love. Mm -hmm. Do you think on – I know the, the, the stubble is asking in jest. I know that. But do you think there is any possibility – that they could kill no. the child. No. In the, none? No. None? No. You don't think that you don't? It will not happen. <laughs> the uproar, the outcry, the anger, the seething, the spitting that would happen. No, there's no way it's not going to happen. Um, we will we will lose Mando before we will lose the child. <laughs> I'm calling it right now. I mean, just for the sheer fact that 
it's a baby, you know? I mean, it's not a baby, but it's a child. It's like, 50 years old. Yeah, exactly. No, I, 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 I don't see that happening. I mean, they see the value in that child. Um, you know, people who were not even that interested, but were kind of like, I'm watching because I'm sitting next to someone who's really interested all of a sudden found themselves, you know, gleefully excited every time the child would come. And I'm not even, I'm not talking about myself here. Uh, you know, <laughs> talking about other people, other people. Um, no, but I, th that's not going to happen. But I do like the idea of them spreading out and having these different universes and having different storylines. The one character that I will say I really don't want to have as a storyline is the mechanic um, played by Amy Sedaris and I love oh. Amy Sedaris but my god that character was so like I, I wanted to just drive an ice pick through my skull every time she came on and started talking I thought it was so ridiculous I hated that episode actually it's the one episode I really really didn't like yeah so as long all. as the mechanic I mean Amy Sedaris can come back in another type of role you know as, as something else but just don't don't have the mechanic or you know what bring the mechanic back and kill her <laughs> like chop her head off I'm fine with that just but, but no they're not touching the baby there there was uh, I don't know how we did it but I was over at Ray's the other day mm -hmm. and we got went down this rabbit hole on YouTube of watching reaction videos of people watching the final episode of Mandalorian season one okay and whenever they got to the part where the stormtrooper has the child in the bag and then slaps the bag. Oh gosh! Oh no! Horrified. People would lose their shit. Of like they're, course. They're watching. Do, 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 do. They're just watching. Then the slap happens. Like, Whoa, what are you doing? Like mm -hmm. people got so mad. Can you imagine if they killed the child? Oh yeah! No 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 no! People like some Tuscan Raider comes along and, and just out of nowhere kills the child. Child's dead. That's it! I'm never watching this show ever again. I'm never watching Disney. Cut Plus to again. the next week. You I'm know. never watching television again. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. Man, it would be now. I want. I would. I would. I, I would enjoy watching. Balls to do it. <laughs> I would. I would enjoy watching those reaction videos. Oh my god, they would be the best. Did you ever <laughs> see reaction videos to the Red Wedding from Game no. of Thrones? No. I, well, well, oh, kind of, sort of. So good. I saw my reaction video, which I didn't realize that Tom was videotaping. Um, because he had seen the first four seasons of of the show of game of thrones and i didn't have hbo so i had not seen it and so as a loving new boyfriend does he rewatched the entire first four seasons with me and he would be in the corner like videotaping my reaction oh my and my reaction to the red wedding um it was yeah it was pretty bad okay i gotta talk to him because i gotta see that i gotta see that video okay next up mike chamberlain writes Hello, John and Rob. Rob is obviously not here today. As a space enthusiast, I've always enjoyed space movies. My question is, uh, what are Rob's thoughts on the new The Right Stuff? Is it needed? Uh, why not do a series on Gemini and Space Lab? I think the original movie really can't be improved on. There's a couple things I want to comment on that, though, Mike. Number one, you asked the question, is it needed? No film and cinematic history was ever needed. Let, let's just call that what it is. No movie ever made, period, was ever needed. You tell it because you got a story to tell and there may be an audience there who wants to see it. That That's why you make movies. Um, the, the second thing is the original can't be improved upon. Well, I mean... Is that the bar? I mean, look, you couldn't, you can't improve. When Martin Scorsese wanted to make The Departed, you're not going to improve upon the original, in, Infernal Affairs. You're just not going to improve on the original. 
but he made a great movie nonetheless. He made a great movie. Won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Won Martin Scorsese, his first Academy Award as a director. The question is, can you make it better than the original? Who cares? All I need to know is, are you going to make a movie that is another movie for us to enjoy? If it's another good movie, it's a win for everybody. So no such thing as one that's needed. Now, look, I don't know enough about Gemini and Space Lab, but it may just be that the story of the right stuff is a more compelling cinematic kind of story that you can tell than the other ones. Plus, there's some name recognition as well. So there's probably a lot of reasons. But you're right. I would have been curious to hear what Rob's thoughts on that are because he's a huge space enthusiast. Well, personally, I know a little bit about Gemini. And if you would like to explore the different... um... I'm not talking about zodiac signs. (laughs) Love the look you just gave me. (laughs) The Mercury 7 actually is the better storyline because they were the first. Really? And yes. Um, I didn't and know that. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, well, if you would watch a little show that was on ABC oh, called Astronaut thinking? Wives Club. Of course. Why? How did I not clue into that instantly? Of course. You know, right. where uh, a, a, a little actress named Erin Cummings might have played Marge Slayton, the wife to Deke Slayton. Uh, yeah. So I do know a little bit about the Mercury 7 as well as the Gemini and the Apollo. Yeah. Um, which we explored those, uh, yeah, those launches I, I as well. I just brought up the, I, for those of you, I cannot believe I, I fro, I clued out on that. Of course, so, I can't believe. Either. Of course, one of Aaron's shows was the Astronauts Wives Club. I cannot believe I. I and we froze fully on explore that. all of the uh, astronauts. It's not just about the wives. We explore the astronauts and their stories, and but it is about the uh, how, how the wives played a, a part. The shoulders upon which America's heroes stood. Uh, so there you go. I can't believe I froze on that one. Of course you're in that. All right, next up. Uh, MD writes, some non-film related media pages like Complex posted the Dune trailer and a lot of the comments were pure confusion. Someone asked if it was a Star Wars spinoff. Big marketing job ahead. No, it's true. But look, we've always known that Dune was all going to be about its marketing. The success of Dune is really going to all be about its marketing. It is, his, history has shown, Dune is a difficult uh, property to adapt. And a particular challenge to communicate to an audience before they see it. The marketing of Dune is going to be everything. And I didn't think the first trailer was a great first trailer, to be honest with you. But they it's a difficult job. I couldn't have done any better, obviously. But it's going to be really interesting to see over the coming weeks and months how their whole campaign strategy is is targeted. Because you're right, it is a tall, tall, this is gonna be one of the most difficult films to market in a long, long time. I agree with that, right? Orange Hand writes, so the Dune trailer uses the term crusade instead of jihad. Uh, Why do you think this is to avoid association with any real world parallels or is it something else? I think Orange Hand, it's you trying to, honestly, and I I do this all the time myself, I think it's trying to read too much uh, far into what's in a trailer and when we haven't even seen the movie. So I, what we, we just caught a glimpse of something i wouldn't try to make an issue out of it nor would i try to search for hidden meaning in that or anything let's see the movie and see how that goes it's just a trailer so i wouldn't look anything beyond that uh, honestly because you're talking to a guy who does that all the time uh so let's, just, let's try not to do that all right Devonte brown writes didn't know if this would be a topic for today or later, but Walking Dead is finally ending with a 24-episode final season with Daryl and Carol spinoff planned, which really means it's another season of Walking Dead. 
just with a couple of different characters. Anyway, uh, spin off plan. Will you be checking out how the conclusion since you saw most of the run? I I don't. Aaron, I can't remember. Have you watched Walking Dead at all? I watched like the first couple. Or are you seasons. about to tell me that you starred in four seasons and I totally forgot about that? Pretty much. I mean, once I like I once I did Mad Men, I was like, I don't need to watch the show anymore. You know, once I do a show, I'm like, all right, I'm good. I I, I got no. I I was I I did audition for Walking Dead and really? several times. Yes, and uh, and what was the the other one? The the one that was was it Fear the Walking Dead? Fear the Walking off? Dead. Yeah, I've uh, so I've auditioned for it several times, and I always was kind of butthurt that I didn't get it. And then when I was working in Atlanta, I was talking to some of the background actors that I was, you know, sitting with and they had done background on Walking Dead and were explaining to me the conditions of just being covered in dirt and the Can't like imagine. the night shoots and just it just sounded horrible. And it's not that I'm prissy. You know, like, I don't mind. I mean, I did a movie called Bitch Slap, which shot completely in the desert, and I didn't have a double. And, so, like, I, I don't mind getting a little dirty. But just certain thing, at a certain point, it's kind of like how, at this point in my life, I want to stay in a nice hotel. I'm not going to stay in a hostel. I, I did that when I was 21 years old. I don't do it anymore. I kind of feel that way about my acting. I just don't want to be rolling around in the dirt. But have you watched, <laughs> do you watch? Oh, Walking back to Dead? your original question, not about my career. Sorry, sorry, I got off track. Um, yeah, I saw the first couple of seasons and, you know, I liked it. It's a really well done show. Clearly people know, you know, the, there's an, a lot of people watching it, but I kind of just fell off after a while. Yeah, I, I hung in there till about, I never loved the show. I'll be honest, I never loved it, but I, mm -hmm. I liked it for the most part. And then finally, I think it might have been two seasons ago, I finally said, okay, I, I tapped out. I said, okay, enough's enough. Now, somebody just told me that the villain of the last couple of seasons, and I had no idea, I had no idea, is actor Ryan Hurst, who plays one of my all-time favorite television Ryan characters, Hurst. Ope, on Sons of Anarchy. And, oh, that's how I know that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I had no idea. Some, just a, one of our viewers yesterday mentioned that. I was like, I had no idea he was even on the show. But honestly, I, I don't have any plans to get caught up. I watched a lot of seasons of Walking Dead, and, and you I'm put in good. your time. And you did it. Uh, I, I don't, I don't plan on watching, watching it out. I mean, who knows? Maybe if you know the pandemic stretches to the end of next year, and, and all production gets shut down, and we're all we're kind of scrounging for things to watch, maybe I'll put it on. But I'm kind of. Yeah, I put but I, you know what? I also I I love and celebrate the idea of any show that's had the longevity. I mean, hell, like Grey's Anatomy, good for them. All those people that are working, all those crew people, all those actors, all those you know, props locations. All there's a lot of people who have continued to stay employed because of Walking Dead and for the Walking Dead. Good for them. You know, I just have a short attention span, I guess. <laughs> all right, next up, um, Mark C writes. Snowpiercer, not a traditional enough uh, to make the comic book list. Sir, it's not just a graphic novel. It's a series containing five novels. If you count Scott Pilgrim, you need to count this. Eh, no, I don't. Um, I, I really don't. And, and you know what? You just made an argument that maybe I shouldn't have counted Scott Pilgrim either. I mean, Scott Pilgrim really is more of a traditional comic book in, in, in some ways. But I, I think you're making an argument and convincing me, by the way, that maybe I shouldn't have counted Scott Pilgrim either. Uh, just given the, what the nature of that list is about actors who appear in different, you know, movie, comic book movie universes, I, maybe I shouldn't have counted Scott Pilgrim either. Anyway, uh, next up, 
Cobb writes, I watched Tenet as an AMC at an AMC Dolby, and the soundtrack noise was obnoxiously loud. There's probably a good movie under there, but I could only hear about 30% of it. I'm so sad I couldn't enjoy this movie because of how painful the sound was. It hurt my ears. And again, this gets back to a topic we've been talking a bunch about. So listen, Christopher Nolan, clearly one of the best directors of our age, but his Achilles heel quite often seems to be his really bad sound mixing. Mm. Um, he's, I mean, whether it's people not being able to e even hear and understand the dialogue being spoken or certain things being too loud or all this kind of stuff. It, it is one of those things. And I, I haven't seen Tenet myself. I think I may finally get to see it tomorrow. Um, but I will let you know. Wait a minute. Yes. You drove to Rhode Island to see I didn't drive to Rhode Island. whatever that movie was. I uh, drove to Vegas to see New Mutants. You drove to Rhode Vegas Island. to see New Mutants. Yes. But you still haven't seen Tenet. Well, what happened was on Saturday, this past Saturday, I had Ann and I had bought tickets to see it in San Diego. Because San Diego, the theaters had opened. So Ann's hometown of Corona, where her family lives, is halfway. So we went to Corona the night before, and then we were going to, the next day, go down to San Diego. Some stuff came up, and we couldn't leave in time to get down to San Diego to watch the movie. So we still hadn't seen it. So I still haven't seen it. Now, the theaters in Orange County, which is only about 45 minutes away, mm -hmm. <laughs> is tomorrow. So I'm hoping I'm going to get a chance to go out and see Tenet tomorrow. Got it. So well, why don't you take the train down? I feel like the train to San Diego is such a... It's I, so civilized. I, I, it's listen, so lovely. Listen, 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 listen. I, I have a difficult... It, it's hard enough for me to get into... To go into a uh, grocery store and right. or into a movie theater. And I'll only go into the movie theater <laughs> if I look around first and see that they're following some pretty strict guidelines. I'm taking my car. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know what? I, 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 okay. I, ha I have to be honest. I've been having these moments lately... And I don't know if I'm just, if it's just a senior moment or if I need to take more B vitamins or something. I have these moments, and it just happened when I suggested that you get on a fucking train, where I forget we live what's going. Right yeah. we were Tom Me and I. Too. I do it we, all the time. We had he had to we had to pick something up at Target yesterday, and I was like, okay, you go to Target, and I'm gonna go to this other place and just run in and grab something really quick. I was just like gonna run to Starbucks and you know grab a thing, and I got out of the car, and I'm just like walking around. Not even thinking about the fact that I'm not wearing a mask. And all of a sudden, I realize I'm about to walk into Starbucks. And then I'm like, well, they're not going to let me in Starbucks. And they're not going to And I had forgotten my phone. So then I was like, well, I'll go into Target and I'll find Tom. And because he had the car keys. So I didn't have a mask. And I have Joey with me. And I literally picked her up. And I put her in front of my face. So oh, I was like no. holding her like a mask. And I go to walk into Target and the guy's like, ma'am, um, <laughs> do you have a mask? And he's just waiting for me to like well, Karen good, out good on him. Them, oh, yeah. Good he was them. like, ma'am, do you have a mask? And I and I immediately said, I'm so sorry. I'm looking for my husband. I need so it was just this really bizarre moment where I just forgot what world we're living in. And I just had that moment again. Do you ever have that? Oh, all the time. All the time. Like where I, I just forget. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not. It's 2019. <laughs> it's, so, it's different. It's all good now. But yes, hopefully, hopefully tomorrow I will get a chance to go finally and see Tenet. Um, okay. Uh, oh, you know, maybe I'll go to Vegas and watch it. Oh, Jesus. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> what is it with you driving <laughs> but, states away to go see movies? But, but, but Anne, 
Anne has to go to Vegas this weekend. I forgot about that. Why? Uh, she, her and Corey, um, she just offered to go with Corey. Corey's mom lives in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So she offered to go to, to you know, make the drive with, with Corey and go her. So I'm thinking, oh, well, if Anne wants to attend too, maybe I'll just go to, to Vegas and get tickets for, because I know the theater there, they, they, yeah, run it really safe. You've been there. Um, You've I've been there. I know it. She's so, driving out there anyway. She's driving. Maybe I'll do that. I don't know. Yeah, well, that or, sounds fun. Or maybe I'll just do the forty-five minute drive to Orange County. Okay. Uh, next up, Ryan Hurst in The Walking Dead. There you go. Writes like you. I gave up a few seasons ago, but Hurst, the main villain, the last two seasons, and he's amazing and scary as fuck. Just Google image Ryan Hurst beta, uh, just to see how he looks. Season nine and ten are the best two of The Walking Dead. Season six through eight did suck. Um, new new showrunner really turned it around. You know, I'm, I'm here's the thing. I've heard a number of people say that the show really did pick up in quality the last couple of years. And don't get me wrong, I don't think The Walking Dead got terrible. That's not. I didn't stop watching because I just thought it got terrible. I just like, I get it. I, I mean, Walking Dead is still it's The Walking Dead. It's I just kind of got. I was done. That's it. I, I it's it's not that it got bad to me, but it is Ryan Hurst. So I might at some point get convinced to go and check it out. Thank you for the recommendation, man. All right, Marie Seifring writes, Hi, John and Aaron. I've seen several Firefly reruns. I love Firefly. Uh, but I have never had an opportunity to see its movie continuation, Serenity. One of the best sci-fi movies I've seen in the last 15, 20 years. Um, uh, see its continuation, Serenity, until last week. Chiwetel Ejiofor, which is the movie that I discovered Chiwetel Ejiofor. Chiwetel Ejiofor is spectacular as the operative. And good Canadian kid Nathan Fillion and crew are great. Uh, I really enjoyed Serenity. Thanks for reminding me to look for it. Over the years, I had forgotten about it. Yeah, nobody went to go see Serenity. Like that, that movie came out. And nobody went to go see it. I didn't. I, I, most people didn't. Most people didn't. It is wonderful. And here's the best thing about Serenity. You would think that in order to be able to go and watch Serenity and understand it and be able to follow it, you would think that you would have had to have watched the show Firefly. Because that, that Serenity is just Firefly under a different name. Because the name of the ship is Serenity. So they, they named the movie Serenity. And you don't. They made this movie in a way that it is a perfect continuation of the show. But if you'd never seen the show, you'd be able to just jump in. Which and, and is watch great it. Is, and what it should be. It, it, they did a great job of it. And, it is the, and, and it's wonderful and charming and just a fantastic sci-fi movie. But again, what's really highlighted to me is that it was the first time I ever took note of who's that guy. And it was Chiwetel Ejiofor. And for those of you who watch my show regularly, you know he's one of my absolute favorite actors. Like, I think he's a top five, six best actors in the world. And if it wasn't for the reconnaissance, he would have had an Academy Award on his mantle right now for 12 Years a Slave. But um, as the operative, top 10 greatest film villain ever as the operative. Because as the operative, he's not one of these villains who is like, I'm going to do evil as he's twirling his mustache. <laughs> he sees himself as doing right which is and what villains do <gasps> villains don't terrifying. know they're bad they genuinely believe Everybody's that what the they hero of their own story yes of course and if you play someone like oh this girl's a bitch oh that guy's an asshole uh, well then you've already like that's like rule number one as an actor is you can't play what you, you know the idea of what someone is you just have to play the truth of what they are yeah. and everyone believes that they are doing 
the the right thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, and every once in a while, you can get characters that don't. For Hans Gruber in um, in Die Hard, you know, bad guy. I, I the Emperor, bad guy. I, yes, but but even Hans Gruber had some mustache twirling, intentional. Yes. Like if it's intentional mustache mustache twirling, that's different. Yep, yeah, and that can work. All right, uh, let's see. Next up, Opie is the man. Writes. Uh, you love Opie, but you haven't seen Hearst in The Walking Dead? What? Uh, just for Opie, please check out the last two seasons. It's a huge improvement. And Hearst scenes with um, uh, JDM. Who's JDM? Oh, um, uh, uh, why am I freezing? I don't uh, know who's Dean J Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, uh, And scenes with Jeffrey Dean Morgan is hilarious. And Hearst fights with Daryl is great. He is terrifying in The Walking Dead. You don't want to cross him or he'll F you up. I, again, I, I just I have I've given a lot of years to watching The Walking Dead and I just got I just it's again to me. It's not that it got bad. It's just that it got I'm over it, you know, so but I don't know if enough people keep telling me that I should go back and watch watch the last couple seasons. I just may do it mostly because of Brian Hurst. All right. Next up, James L.H. writes. Hey, John, seems having Disney Plus means patience. I waited from November to April before seeing Mandalorian when Disney Plus arrived in the UK. Waiting to see Mulan in December is easy. Not a complaint, but patience and Disney Disney Plus new releases seem to have become a necessity. Well, I guess that's true. I take for granted, I think a lot of us take for granted, who live in, like, in the North American market, that we just get it when it comes out. Mm -hmm. And that Disney Plus rolled out here first, so we didn't, and, and a number of places did, so we didn't have to wait for Mandalorian. But yeah, right now, they, and, and listen, I, I, Aaron, I've mm -hmm. I've developed a real, some real mixed feelings about Disney Plus because as an archive, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, their catalog is wonderful. But let's not kid ourselves. I got. Disney Plus. I got turned on to Disney Plus. I got excited about Disney Plus for the new original content. They've given me Mandalorian. And it's it's been what? 8 months? 9 months? And they've given me Mandalorian. They dropped Hamilton 2. Great for a one movie shot. And everything else has been low quality, low budget. Whatever. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the world according to uh, why am I? Why did I suddenly freeze on uh, uh, the world according to Jeff Goldblum? Jeff Goldblum. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I really did enjoy that. But that did you see the ice cream episode? Oh, I did see the. Ice did you see Micheline in the ice cream episode? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. So no, you I know didn't. when he's at the uh, the the Viva Las Vegas, the yeah, um, in, in the parking lot, in the parking Is lot the with all the girls? vintage cars. Yes, she's. Is she one of the three girls? Micheline Pitt. You know her. She's my friend. I've yeah, introduced. I, yeah, yeah she has the tattoo on the center of her chest. Yeah, we had dinner, all of us, and she has the dark hair and she's holding no the parasol. Yeah, that was her. Because they were all done up like pinup girls in. Yes, that's her company, oh, Vixen by Micheline Pitt. I did not know. So that. yeah, go back and watch that episode. That's her. Yeah, but but overall, I gotta say, I mean, look, HBO Max botched their launch by not being ready to go out on Roku and Amazon Fire. Disney Plus did. HBO Max kind of botched their launch that way, but guess what? Mm -hmm. They've got Lovecraft Country. Yes. And they've got Raised by Wolves, which is I'm really looking forward to seeing pretty that. Pretty good. Is it's, that not Evan Rachel Wood? I in I, the bill on the billboards. It looks 
she I looks like Evan Rachel Wood. I, I know, know it's, it's not because from, otherwise it would say Evan Rachel Wood because she's yeah, at that I just point know in her it's career. the guy from Vikings. I, I, I just know it's the guy from Vikings. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not Evan Rachel Wood, but like every time I pass the billboard, but I'm like, now that you mention it, kind of doesn't it look like just Evan like Rachel her Wood, and bald? I, think, I, I, I have to go look but into that. I have to call you on it a little bit okay, though. You that? did not sign up for Disney Plus because of their original content. You signed up because of an original content, which was Mandalorian. And you hoped that there would be more. Yes. But we were never promised more. We were promised amazing archive and Mandalorian. And that's what we got. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm coming. It's just that I'm coming to realize that. That's like, all that. Yeah. You know, you know, and the thing is, if Disney Plus wants to be, I mean, they're signing up a lot of people right now. But at some point, the amount of competition that's building up now. Yeah, they're going to have to They are going to have to do, gonna step look, it up. I was going to say it. Disney's going to do Disney Plus has to do a much better job. Mm -hmm. They're just going to have to do a much better job. Uh because right now they're getting outclassed by in, in my opinion, they're getting outclassed by Amazon Prime. They're getting outclassed by HBO Max. They're certainly getting outclassed by Netflix. Um I even think Disney's other streaming service, Hulu, is better than Disney Plus right now. So, I don't know. Now, Ask me again after Falcon and Winter Soldier and, and, and right. And, and, I think yeah. that once they really start rolling out the MCU, it's going to be different. But at this point, it's also like you know we got exactly what we you know what we subscribe to. It would be like if I wanted to have a dog that was going to jump and play and run around and I could play fetch with. That's not the dog that I got. She can be that if she wants. Joey is whatever <laughs> Joey wants to be. She can be. Hi, Joey. She literally, <laughs> like, I throw a ball at her and she's like, I'm not running after that. Okay, she's like, I'm not your bitch. No, uh, you're let's, not. Let's keep going here. Uh, Dylan Payton writes, hey, John, big fans since the AMC days. Thank you so much. And the first episode of Jedi Council. Your show has been and currently is getting me through tough times as my brother was just diagnosed with COVID-19. I'm so sorry. I'm so to hear sorry. That, I thought The Last of Us 2 was one of the best stories of 2020. Yeah, I, I agree. I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding uh, Last of Us 2. I, I, again, listen, I, I don't care what anybody else says, pro, negative, whatever. I don't care. All I know is I watched that 12, 16 hour, whatever it was, story of Last of Us 2, and it is shockingly good. Like, it is, it is one of the best, it is easily the best pure story ever told in the video game medium, but it is damn just pure cinematic i mean it, it is seriously one of the most jaw-droppingly fantastic stories ever told um I, I was i was like just simply unprepared for how good it was so uh yeah this all i agree then again best well wishes to your brother and i uh, hope for a speedy recovery my friend all right next up ryan loner writes I love that so much of the Dune cast sound like Dune characters in their own right. Zendaya, uh, Batista, Momoa, Duncan Brewster, Bardem. It's true. It's I never thought of that, but you're absolutely on the money. Just their natural names sound like names that would be coming mm -hmm. out of that. Now we just need an actor called Muad'Dib and you're all set and ready to go. That's a great observation, Ryan. All right. Tiberius writes, hey, John and gang, question for Aaron. Oh. My wife acts on stage and the occasional extra role in film wonderful how can i be as supportive as possible when she doesn't get a role that she wants or is flat out turned down i want to encourage yet still be realistic with her now now that's a difficult i don't know if you're qualified because you get every role that you go out for so not true <laughs> i didn't get cersei lannister 
That's 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 true. <laughs> Which they made the absolute right choice. I will say there are some roles that I don't get, and I go, well, clearly they fucked up. But seriously, Lannister, what, what you guys you are the right. A, what what can somebody like Tiberius do as a husband? We should we, maybe we should just call Tom. But what 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 should can he do as a husband? Well, the same thing that I do as a wife. You know, my husband is an actor as well, and sometimes he doesn't get roles, and sometimes I don't get roles. And can I ask you a question? Can I yeah. ask you a question, please? I, I, I thought I heard something, and I need to know if I misheard it. Was Tom at some point in the running for um, the uh, Homelander in in The Boys? Was, was he? He auditioned for Homelander. He did audition for Homelander. Yes. Okay. I thought, and I auditioned for Maeve. I knew about you and Maeve. Mm-hmm. I knew about you and Maeve, but I I, I didn't think I. I he about, did, he auditioned for Homelander. Um. And clearly, they were not looking for someone who was as physically imposing as, as Homelander looks yeah, on screen. You guys, you guys, I know you guys. I haven't. I, I still, at some point, want to have Tom on the show. Yeah, Tom is a physically imposing individual. <laughs> yeah. He's a physically imposing individual. So he's, he's, guy. A, he's a big dude. He's a really big dude. Anyway, sorry. What what would you say to Tiberius? So what I would say, Tiberius, is, you know, first of all, you don't need to be realistic. You know, the real the reality of being a working actor hits every actor. You don't need to be the one to bring them down to like keep them grounded. All you need to do is just say, "Babe, I am so sorry." I know how hard you worked on that and I know how much you wanted it. And you know what? They messed up. They messed Mm -hmm. up. All you need to do is tell her how great she did, how hard she worked. You don't need to be the voice of reality. You don't need to, you know, make it better. All you need to do, just like when anybody's, you know, facing any sort of disappointment, they don't want to hear, well, here's the silver lining. Nobody wants to hear that. Just say, man, I'm so sorry. That sucks. Mm. And then whatever it is that you know she really likes, whether it's, you know, putting on her favorite episode of a TV show or going out for ice cream or, you know, do something that's going to cheer her up. But don't she'll have reality. You don't need to be real realistic for her and, you know, let her chase her dream as long as it makes sense for your your family's financial well-being, you know, but just say, I'm sorry. That sucks. Mm. They screwed up. You know. Good advice. You were, you were what you were the right choice. And and then you know what? Every single time that Tom and I ever watch anything that I audition for, he goes, This is what he always says to me. He goes, Well, now I know why they didn't cast you. You're too pretty. <laughs> he says that every single time. I mean, they could literally cast Angelina Jolie and he'd be like, Oh, well, see, they just weren't an ugly person. Well, clearly that's why he didn't get it. That's what a good husband does. You're just too pretty. That's the problem. <laughs> You're just too. That's what a good husband does. Tom's a smart guy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. All right. Next up, we got Willow writes. If the Dune trailer hadn't dropped in time for your show yesterday, you could have made up a a, a reaction like you did for the Kingsman 2 trailer with Schnepp, Jeremy Johns, and Mark Riley. Uh, I don't know how you all managed to keep a straight face in the video. I vaguely remember that. I vaguely remember that. Like, I I think we were supposed to, because I had put up as a thumbnail that we were going to be talking about the Dune trailer. 
but it didn't drop right at 9 a.m. like we thought it was going to, which was one hour before the show. So I started to worry about, oh, my gosh, we're, we titled the episode this and the trailer's not even going to drop. Maybe and maybe you're right. Well, maybe I should have pulled a, a, an audible and just made up my reaction to something I hadn't even seen because you're right. I, I, I have to go back and look that up because I vaguely remember us doing that. All right. Fifty Shades of Geek writes. I finally watched Mulan and I absolutely loved it. The second, my, it's my second favorite movie of the year so far after The Gentleman. Uh, not as good as the original, but still one of the better Disney remakes. If the movie is, was an hour longer, I still would have loved it. Well, see, that's the, that's great. Like I said, I liked Mulan, but I just kept feeling with every step of the way, like something was a missed opportunity. Like it could have been something really special. But I, I, I still overall, I, I enjoyed it. But I'm glad you had that much of a good time with it, my friend. And I'm, I'm that's just the thing. To me, The Gentleman is still my favorite movie of the year. But um, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. And some hate it. Some love it. Some like me are a little bit in the middle. So I'm glad you liked it, man. Fifty Shades also writes, A viewer recently mentioned a Black Panther prequel set in World War II, which got me thinking. In the comics, Cap came to Wakanda and fought T'Chaka. He did. Uh, not sure when MCU Cap, and, and they did that in an animated thing as well. Not sure when MCU Cap had the time slash opportunity to do that, but he does know about Wakanda in uh, Age of Ultron, so who knows? Well, no, that would have been rewriting history a little bit. I In the MCU, remembering, of course, that of the comics and the cinematic MCU are two different things. And I thought they made it pretty clear that while well, you have heard of it, I mean, it is a country in the world. Everybody in the world, in the MCU world, has heard of Wakanda. It's a country in the world. They're part of the United Nations. I mean, it's a thing. But I don't think he, they, they would have to rewrite history in the MCU to say that he visited Wakanda at some point, because that's not a part of the MCU's Captain America. All right. Fifty Shades also writes, the Wakandan Forever recently mentioned that he started watching a superhero. He recently started watching superhero TV shows. Did you see... Uh, the 2010 Black Panther animated series, Jaimon Hansu, who I also love, first discovered him in Steven Spielberg's Amistad, my favorite Steven Spielberg movie. Which um, Cuba Gooding Jr. passed on. Really? Cuba Gooding Jr. passed on that? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank God. Not not that I don't love Cuba Gooding Jr., but I we wouldn't know Jaimon Hansu if it wasn't for that role. Good to know. Uh, as T'Challa, Kerry Washington as Shuri and Alfred Woodard um, as the Queen Mother, I think you'll love it. I've never even heard of this animated show. Quite frankly, I didn't even know that didn't existed. Where was it? I had no idea. Learn something new every day here, Fifty Shades. All right, Russell Amador writes, Hey, John, uh, this has been quite the week. My fiance and I finally tied the knot this past Saturday. Yay! Congratulations on the nuptials. Um, and the wedding was amazing, as we could have imagined. Uh, we're now on our honeymoon and made it back to the movies to see Tenet, which was awesome, but confusing. That's the other thing I keep hearing, Aaron, is that... A lot of people, there are two complaints I hear coming out of Tenet. Everybody's saying it's really good, but the sound is terrible. And a lot of people saying, I have no idea what was going on. And I had to watch it a second time to kind of get an idea. And I think that is something that Christopher Nolan maybe, and again, I haven't seen Tenet, so maybe I'll think it was perfectly fine. But Christopher Nolan's films, Dunkirk notwithstanding, have almost been progressively getting more and more confusing like i think interstellar for a lot of people was like right on the border i think mm-hmm. a lot of people like were like had to see it two or three times maybe he went too far with tenant i i don't know like if you looked at christopher nolan's films whether it's you know um memento or whether it's the prestige mm-hmm. or interstellar or inception or mm-hmm. whatever 
what stands out to you, if any, that might be his Achilles heel when, when you think about all the Christopher Nolan movies? Yes, I can see him going one step too far because when you go into a Christopher Nolan movie, it's not like it's something that you can have you know, playing and, you know, you can be multitasking and still follow along as some really baseline films are. You really have to be paying attention. You have to be focused on what's going on and you have to be looking at everything that's happening and very, very in tune with the film. That being said, if somebody who's already going into a film like Tenet knowing, okay, I have to be very hyper aware and keeping my my ears and eyes open so I don't miss anything. If people still are not grasping the very concept of the movie or really what it's about without having to watch it a second or a third time. Now, I understand, you know, wanting to go back and watching a film after, you know, like rewatching The Sixth Sense once you know about, you know, the little kid and what he what he sees. We've all seen Sixth Sense, right? He sees dead people. So once we, once you know that and then you go back and watch it, that's a different thing. If people are saying, I really didn't understand the movie until I watched it a second or a third time, you know, not everybody is going to take the time to go back and watch a film two or three times, especially when there's so many things out there. What I still don't understand is with the incredible amount of money spent on this film and the number of delays that gave them the extra time to work on the sound. How can you have a film like this have sound problems? It doesn't make any sense to me because it's not like they didn't realize it until all of a sudden it was in theaters and they were like, whoa, why does it sound so crazy? Oh, well, too late to change it. I mean, they have they play these movies in with every type of it's sound just how system no one likes to mix his, his sound it's it's crazy that's always and not always but often an issue with a lot of his movies it's it's one of the unfortunate things okay well so at some at some point his achilles heels are going to start affecting his bottom line i don't think it'll be for tenant but at a certain point as he becomes i think more and more untouchable which certain directors become uh you, you know similar to um, um al pacino you know there are certain actors that become that People stop directing, you know, and only certain directors, maybe Al Pacino, I mean, uh, Martin, Martin Scorsese, Scorsese can direct Al Pacino. But, you know, you put him with another director who's maybe not as confident. And they're like, well, wh how am I going to direct Al Pacino? I'm not going to tell Al Pacino what to do. I'm just going to let him do his thing. Don't and listen to Kevin Smith tell stories about trying to direct Bruce Willis in uh, in that cop movie. He yes, did exactly. <laughs> and so I think that at a certain point. Christopher Nolan is going to become the same thing where the people around him, his, you know, his producers, it, it, the people who otherwise would be able to say, dude, you got to fix this. No one's going to try to check him on anything because he's just Christopher Nolan. So, yeah, I, I can see that becoming a big problem. All right. Now, let's move on here. Angela Lansbury doing yoga rights. Hello. I think when the Batman was announced, that Gucci movie got announced too, uh, and the cast is insane, Lady Gaga, Jared Leto, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, directed by Ridley Scott. Excluding Marvel, uh, what is your favorite cast or strongest cast of all time? Oh, you don't have to exclude Marvel, it wouldn't come into play anyway. To me, the strongest cast, the best ensemble performance I've ever seen in a movie to this day is Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, Clancy Brown, but it's not just them. It's every single supporting character along the way 
carry this massively impressive movie um, every step of the way. Like, they just all immersed you. The ensemble performance of Shawshank Redemption, to this day, is my favorite cast performance overall in any movie ever. It wasn't stacked with all the biggest sexy names. That's not what makes a great ensemble performance. It's just that everybody played their roles to absolute stunning perfection. And uh, to me, Shawshank is an example of that. Aaron, if you had to pick one movie or, or a couple that stand out to you as being like your favorite, you know, uh, ensemble performances or best cast you've ever seen, where would your head go? So easy. Clue. Really? <laughs> I mean, just genius. The way that they work together, the comedic timing, the tableaus that they set. I mean, even the even the guy who's originally supposed to be the bad guy who essentially is dead the entire movie. <laughs> and, you know, they're using him at almost as a weekend at Bernie's type puppet whenever the cop comes in. I mean, every even, you know, the role that I want to play. I and you're singing telegram bang i mean even she has half of a line and she's just one of my most memorable points in the entire film uh i thought that the the, the cast of, of of clue is phenomenal um and what's the what's the british world war one film that came out last 1917 1917 you know speaking to your point about every single person being so invested you know there's a really funny um, it was it wasn't a vine. It was like an Instagram or TikTok or Snap, whatever. Uh, something about this guy who's um, faking um, a comedic thing, as if he's one of the background actors on 1917, um, and he's sort of like lost in a moment. And then all of a sudden, the is camera goes Kevin past James? him. Is that what you're, is, is, no? I'll, I'll find it. Stuff like that. I'll find it and I'll send it to you. But the reality is, when I'm watch when you watch 1917. And the entire movie looks like it's done in one take. I mean, you, there's so many background actors and they're all so invested in that moment. And then all they have is the camera just walking right past them. You know, they have just that one quick little moment. And to have background actors, that many of them be so invested in the character that they're shivering or writing a letter to, you know, their parents or they're rolling a, a cigarette, just the min minor little detail of the background actors to be so invested, I thought was incredible, beautiful. All right, next up, we got uh, Zion who writes, Hey, John, Denis Villeneuve said that Paul's arc would have some similarities with Michael Corleone. And in the trailer, he said that uh, when fear is gone, he will remain or something like that. Obviously, we're talking about the Dune trailer, uh, something like that. Over or under 30 percent, he wipes out the other houses or enemies a la Michael at the end. I No, no, I don't think Denis Villeneuve was talking about major plot differences and major plot points. But when you look at Paul Atreides and you look at Michael Corleone, there's, there, are, there are definitely thematic similarities, you know. People like members of this family, not necessarily wanting to take over the family, families of power, the begrudgingly taking it on and then really coming into it a little bit later on. I think he's really talking about playing into those aspects, not fundamental changes in the overall plot structure of what happens in the story. So that's what I think he's referring to. We'll find out soon enough. You may be right, but I'm, I'm going to go under. I think he was talking about that other stuff. At least that's what I think. Could be wrong. All right. Ben Rayner writes. Hey, John, did you see what the great Canadian Ryan Reynolds did? Oh, I know what we're talking about here. He brought that other great Canadian, Rick Moranis, out of retirement uh, from a, a U.S. citizen from 
and U.S. I think probably meant uh, from a U.S. citizen. Ryan is the greatest. Uh, you, Ryan and Rick are my three favorite Canadians. Hope that's not taken the wrong way. No, have you? Did you see that, by the way, online? So, you know, one of the big stories in Hollywood for the past 20 years has been where's Rick Moranis? Everybody wants well, Rick Moranis back. And, and of course, if you guys don't know the story of Rick Moranis, and it's really touching. You should go and, and read about why he kind of withdrew out of Hollywood. And what's, he's an amazing man. Good Canadian kid, obviously. Finally reappeared. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, who's part owner of a, uh, I think it's Mint Mobile or one of the Canadian uh, mobile services, did a commercial and got Rick Moranis to appear. And they they break the fourth wall on it. And it's like, oh, look, Ryan Reynolds is doing the commercial. Oh, look, it's iconic Rick Moranis. And hi, you know, he comes in. It's like, so why am I here? <laughs> it's like, just to be here. I, I, you got to see it. It's like absolutely I hilarious. thought that he wasn't, isn't he planning on doing Honey, I Shrunk the Kids that's, again? That's, there was word of that, but I, I don't I don't know if that's ever they're 100% confirmed. I hope so. Oh, wow. Because the world needs Rick Moranis. I it agree. just absolutely needs Rick but Moranis. But does Rick Moranis need the world? No, I mean, I kind of, I mean, there's a no, part of me that just wants to go, hey, man, if you're happy and you're living your life, keep living it. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, maybe he thinks, but we, yes, you know what, the we world would needs all love to joy see. right now. Yes. It needs me. Needs Rick Moranis. I, I think he looks in the mirror and talks to himself in the third person. I I, I can't I can't uh, just because that. you do that doesn't mean that Rick every Moranis day does that. every day. Uh, all right, but that was awesome, Ben. All right, anonymous viewer writes, folks, the tenant sound mix sucks. Me and Nolan, I trust. Do you trust in him, John? I no, he, I don't trust in his sound mix. No, it's because this isn't the first time. I mean, he has proven that he has a problem when it comes to his particular taste in sound mixing, both in the volumes of certain sound effects and, and music, but also specifically when it comes to dialogue. That is his Achilles heel. I still trust that he's going to make an amazing movie. That's why Tenno is my second most anticipated movie of the year. So I completely trust that he will make a great movie at the end of the day. But I also have, I don't doubt people who tell me that amongst this great movie, is the problem of poor sound mix. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one can be true. They're not mutually exclusive. You can trust in Christopher Nolan and acknowledge that he has a problem with the sound mixes. So they're not mutually exclusive things. All right, Isaac Beebe writes, I honestly believe that Star Wars fans can be some of the best fans in the world and also the worst. That's true. Uh, even if the sequel trilogy was planned out uh, from the beginning and some fans didn't like it or even hated it, there would still have been some toxic people saying that. No, I don't think so. I, I think if it was clear that the sequel trilogy had a definitive plan, I don't think people would be criticizing it for not having a definitive plan. They may still be criticizing it if they didn't like the movies. Like, look at the prequels. The prequels are terrible. But one of the things you cannot criticize about the prequels is that clearly George Lucas had a plan. Like when he sat down and made the very first of the pre, when he made The Phantom Menace, he had a plan. I mean, I'm sure he worked out some details as he went along, but overall he said, this is my starting point and that's my ending point. And that's what this journey is gonna be. And he had that planned out. So say what you want about the prequels. The fact is at least they clearly had a plan. I mean, I think the sequel movies are better movies objectively. Even it's, it's all subjective, obviously. But I'm saying I, I think the, the, the sequel movies are all better than the prequels. But the prequels had a plan. And it, it came down to execution. 
it came out. So no, I I think if if the sequels clearly had a definitive plan, they saw that they had a plan, maybe we'd be criticizing the sequels for other things, but it wouldn't be that. Because you don't hear people criticizing the prequels for not having a plan. That's my take on it anyway, Isaac. All right, Isaac also writes, uh, they should have done each film separately so that they weren't tied to one singular story. I can guarantee that would have happened uh, that would have happened because Star Wars fans above any other fandom in the world can be entitled selfish assholes. I re I actually blame the fans uh, for how the Star Trek... I don't know what ST means. Guys, please don't write in acronyms. Uh, turned out because they shot all over episode seven and eight without having seen what Trevorrow's nine was going to be, forcing Lucasfilm to do a complete 180 without knowing where the overall story was going. Look, bottom line is this. Nobody forced Lucasfilm to do anything. Let's just be clear about that. Nobody forced Lucasfilm to do anything. Lucasfilm can do whatever they want to do. Nobody forces Kevin Feige to do anything that he doesn't think will be best for his cinematic universe. He does what he thinks is best. That's what Lucasfilm could have done. Nobody forced him to do it. They made choices. They made choices. Do I think that the, the sequel trilogy revealed a certain toxic element to the Star Wars fandom? Absolutely it did. That much is obvious. But um, I, I also think you can't blame them for forcing Lucasfilm to do anything. Lucasfilm made their choices. They chose to start off a new trilogy without having an overall story idea. They chose to rapidly change things, particularly when they got into the third film. Nobody forced them to do anything. So let's just be clear about that. All right. The Wakandan Forever writes, one of two. John, it has been a crazy month. If the death of Chadwick Boseman, King T'Challa, was not enough, I just got word that a close friend of mine lost his house in Talent, Oregon, uh. due to the wild ooh, due to the wildfires. He is safe in an evacuation, uh, in evacuation st station now. But man, 2020, I tell you, I always say life is 50-50. So I will try not to be all doom and gloom. A local uh, artist I know got his painting in the De Young Museum in San Francisco. This is a most insane year I can ever remember. A roller coaster. Last thing I uh, last thing I took your advice and watched the one show that was missing from my list, Umbrella Academy. It is definitely on my list now. Everyone, please stay safe out there. If we all hold on there, uh, hold on. There is bound to be better days ahead. Wakanda forever. First of all, yeah, so sorry to hear that your friend lost their house in, in the wild. Wildfires suck. And believe me, living in, in the valley, I don't know if you've had, well, we've had them in the hills, like right behind us. Like I even took a video. I went out into the street one night and said, proud of the video, saying, there, the hills are on fire and everything. So I don't know how affected you've been in, in your area of town, but we don't really get them it. down where I am because yeah. it's so built um, in the basin. But I mean, well, from my roof, we have a, you know a shot of the hills, the Hollywood sign, and the Getty, and everything like that. But I don't feel like this side of the hill. Again, it's so built up on this mm. side. For those of you who don't know, I'm like more on the Hollywood side, um, so we don't really get as much of it. Um, but yeah, just it's it. For everyone who is especially a little bit north in the Bay Area, in Oregon, just I've been listening and watching the news and it's just awful. Um, if you know people, reach out to who live in the area, reach out to them, see how you can help, see what you can offer um, because there's a lot of people that are suffering and that are displaced right now. Um well said. And, and we don't even know about the death toll numbers because oh, it's I, been so it's been too dangerous for um, people for yeah. you know rescue teams to even go into a lot of these areas. So it's it's going to be really bad. Um, side note, building on something Wakandan said, uh, that's my next. Uh, you guys also got to do after you finish Harley Quinn. You guys got to do Kim's Convenience. 
Tom, I, I hope you would too, because Anne loves it. Tom would love Umbrella Academy. Have, have you guys started, have you or Tom started watching Umbrella Academy I think yet? he's watching it, yeah. Because I, I'll like walk in and he's watching something and they're all standing in the rain. So I'm assuming that's Umbrella Academy. Anne loves that show. Okay. And I love that show. They just, the, it's only, they just put out their second season. Um, you gotta watch it. Okay. Gotta watch Umbrella Academy. Finish Harley uh, Quinn, though. Oh, yes. And then make sure you also watch Kim's Convenience, but then you gotta watch uh, that. Anyway, we have kept you over time. We know oh, you and Joey have things to do. We have to go on a walk. Anyway, in the meantime, though, oh, look at Joey. I love Joey. Uh, in the meantime, where can people follow you and Joey's adventures online? You can find us at Aaron L. Cummings, um, or you can go to Rat Pack Cats and see Joey and some of her siblings as well, um, which I have to update some more pictures on there. But uh, yeah, check us out online. We're on Instagram and Twitter. All right. Thanks for coming in today. Thank and you. we will talk to you guys later. Bye, Joey. All right, guys. We still have some time here. So we're going to keep going through your questions. And we'll, of course, see Aaron back here next week. Okay. Uh, next one up, we've got Andy Hong, who writes one of four. John, let's go back to a time when the DCEU was in a crazy shit storm before Walter Hamada came along. The DCEU was on the brink of collapse. Uh, even you suggested that maybe WB should reboot it and had one controversy after another. Justice League underperforming at the box office with mixed critical and audience reception. Reports of Warner Brothers uh, heads refusing to delay Justice League in order to gain bonuses. Flash directors leaving. Projects getting scrapped or rearranged. And reports of Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill leaving. By the way, kudos to Walter Hamada for inheriting all those issues and methodically dealing with all of them. Now, let's say the Ezra Miller choking incident happened right after all that. Uh what would have happened? I'm sure that Warner Brothers would have at least addressed it with no pandemic to hide behind. I'm 99% sure the Flash would have been recasted. Would this have been the final straw that broke the camel's back uh, that forces Warner Brothers to reboot the DCU? I believe it would be the final straw after all the onslaughts of problems. So, okay, so we're talking about a strictly hypothetical situation. A strictly hypothetical situation. If hypothetically... The Ezra Miller choking incident happened right on the heels of all the other stuff that was going on and the pandemic wasn't. And you're right. Warner Brothers completely has and maybe smartly used the pandemic as a distraction to count that everybody would just forget about the Ezra Miller choking incident. Okay. If it had happened before the pandemic, right on the heels of all that stuff, would it have been the final nail in the coffin? Two things. One, yes, I think they would have recasted Ezra Miller because they wouldn't have had the pandemic as a distraction from what was going on. I do think they would have recasted Ezra Miller. I'm not saying they should have recasted. I'm just saying that's what I think they probably would have done. Second, I don't think they would have rebooted. Now, I believed at the time that maybe the safest bet by then was just to reboot the universe, clean slate, fresh blank white sheet of paper with a full easel of paints to paint the new universe they want the way they want to do it. But they decided to move forward, but change philosophy. I think you raise a great point, Andy. Walter Hamada, as much credit as I give him, I think a lot of us, including myself, don't fully appreciate what Walter Hamada has done over there. Because pre-Walter Hamada, you're right. The good ship DC cinematic universe was on fire and sinking. 
there wasn't just one problem. There was a collage of problems going on over there. And that is what Walter Hamada stepped in and inherited. He inherited a cinematic universe and a cinematic, you know, endeavor that was in utter, complete chaos. And what did he do? He said, time out. We're going to reel it all back in. We're going to get back to basics. We're going to focus on individual movies and making good individual movies. We are going to rehabilitate our image with the audience. We're going to regain the trust of the industry and of the fans. We're going to do all this stuff. And what Walter Hamada has been able to do, you know, just a little while ago, we did a video where I, I we, we called it Why Warner Brothers in DC right now, I believe, are better positioned than even the MCU is. And that all goes to the leadership of Walter Hamada. That all goes to the leadership of Walter Hamada. Um, and that's why I believe today, when you think of Warner Brothers, it's not the way two years ago we instantly thought of Warner Brothers. You think of Warner Brothers two years ago, the first thought is of the Keystone Cops and Benny Hill music playing. And like guys running around all over. Now, today, you think of the DC, DCU and what, what Marvel and sorry, uh, what Warner Brothers is doing with it. Now you, you think of a steady ship, right? Now you think of, of a place that's got its shit in order. And I mean, who knows what the next film will be? Who knows if the Batman's going to be any good? Who knows if this Flash movie actually gets made? Who knows? But right now, they're in such a better place than they have been in for years. And a lot of that goes to Walter Hamada. And I'm, I'm glad you're giving him his due, Andy. I, I think that's that's well said. All right. An anonymous viewer writes, since Disney kind of screwed the pooch with Star Wars and is also losing a lot of money during the pandemic, uh, would they be better off just... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, anonymous. Would they be better off just selling Lucasfilm to another company to gain more financial stability? Okay, number one. Disney, I don't, subjectivity, whatever. Disney did not screw the pooch when it came to Star Wars. Rogue One is a fantastic movie. The Phantom, uh, The Force Awakens, I should say, is a fantastic movie. Solo is a really good, fun movie. Um, I liked, uh, I liked the, la um, the Last uh, Jedi, although I do have my problems with it. And I, I thought The Rise of Skywalker was flat out terrible. A result of trying to do a trilogy with no plan and it just ended badly. Uh, that I give it, but Mandalorian has also been a huge hit for them and what they did and all that kind of stuff. You can't, you got to take that in consideration as well. So no, I utterly reject and any world that isn't some weird fantasy land that they just overall screwed the pooch on Star Wars. Not at all. I, I think there's enough there. Plus, should they just sell Lucasfilm? Look, here's something to put it in context. Under Disney. Hell, under Kathleen Kennedy, who you know I think should step down. I think Kathleen Kennedy should step down as the head of Lucasfilm. I do. She's a first ballot Hall of Famer in the Hollywood Hall of Fame. She's one of the greatest producers in the history of Hollywood. But she has fundamentally failed in, in some of the most important aspects of being the head of a studio. Two different jobs being a producer and the head of a studio. Anyway, but under Kathleen Kennedy, Star Wars movies make more money per movie than Kevin Feige's Marvel Cinematic Universe does. I'll let that, just let that sink in for a second. 
Just let that sink in for a second. Star Wars movies on a under Disney and under Kathleen Kennedy make more money per film on a per film average than Kevin Feige's Marvel Cinematic Universe does. There's no point there other than to say it's ludicrous. To, it's absolutely phenomenally ludicrous to suggest that Disney should just sell Lucasfilm. It's preposterous. It's utterly preposterous. Do they need to do a better job moving forward? Oh, that's not that's that's beyond question. That's without question. Of course they do. But they have also you you have to come from a position of having a serious agenda if you don't acknowledge they've had some big successes and some big wins. They have Rogue One, Force Awakens, still the number one domestically in the U.S., still the number one box office film of all time. Mandalorian is a big hit. I mean, you ha unless you're coming from a position of extreme bias and extreme uh, agenda. You have to acknowledge they've had some big wins. And also, unless you're coming from a position of extreme bias and extreme agenda, you also have to acknowledge they've had some big misses. You have to acknowledge both of those are true. Um, but the when you actually step back and look at it as an entire picture, it's utterly preposterous when you look at just financially the success they've had it's a preposterous notion to suggest that maybe they should just sell lucasfilm it's utterly ridiculous it's an utterly ridiculous thing all right justin writes love the show it's my go-to podcast every single day thank you for that justin i noticed the show hasn't been on spotify since september the first keep up the great work yeah i noticed that myself the other day i didn't know about this till a couple of days ago for some reason, Spotify has not been updating the podcast feed, and I don't know why. I am uploading the podcast as normal, um, but since September 1st, which nothing has changed on our end, Spotify has not been updating its feed. So I will have to look into that and figure out why people trying to listen on Spotify haven't been getting the new one. So other than that, I don't know why. All right. Luna Star writes, um, hey, John. Uh, where are we at? Um, hey, John, what are your thoughts about the controversy surrounding the Netflix film Cuties? I wanted to withhold judgment. Then I then I saw a two minute clip of a scene on Twitter. And wow, it really is as bad as people are saying. OK, so to me, the Cuties thing is a non story. And here's why. It is mostly an absolute non issue and non story to me personally, because I have not seen the movie. It's also a thing to me that the people that this is the biggest controversy for have also never seen the movie. Everyone that I know, and again, I haven't seen the movie. Everyone that I know that has seen, I know about five or six people who have actually seen the film. Uh, I think most of them have saw it even before it got to Netflix. Like they saw it before they got to Netflix. All the people that I know who have seen it have said it's a really good heartfelt um, movie that they thought is actually really quite great. The problem seems to be the way Netflix has marketed the film. Again, I have not seen the movie. I am simply going on everyone I know who has seen it says it's actually quite a heartfelt, uh, charming, really good movie. 
the controversy seems more to be around the thing. And, and unfortunately, it's also a problem that a lot of people who are saying this movie is terrible are like you, Luna, haven't actually seen the movie. You're going off of a two minute clip you saw anyway. Um, so to me, it's a non story. Now, maybe to me personally, it becomes an issue if if I ever sit down and watch it. It just doesn't look like it's the type of movie that's for me. So I haven't watched it. Uh, and maybe if I did watch it, to me, it would become an issue. Or maybe I would feel like the people I know who have seen it said, actually, it's quite a good film. And it's blah. But it just seems like really more than anything else, the problem was the way Netflix marketed the film. Um, and then I saw like Netflix uh, issued an apology for the way they marketed it. And they, they, cha- they took down the marketing they had done for it and they changed the way they marketed it. So to me, honestly, right now, uh, uh, from a personal point of view, it's a complete non-story. Uh, that's the way it is to me at any rate. All right. Next up, um, Eric Huffman writes, happy no pants Thursday. When should we expect to see your documentary about trailers? Trailer discussion has been one of the best aspects of your commentary. So this project, I, c- I can't wait to support. Thanks and stay sweaty. First of all, Eric, thank you so much for plugging my documentary. As a matter of fact, um, I just, there are still some technical issues that I'm working on, some sound issues, some color issues. I haven't made the credits yet, but the edit, as of yesterday, the edit on my documentary is now locked. Where the edit's done. The edit's done. Um, and I'm... I'm very proud of this little documentary. It's not going to be for everybody. It's not going to win any Academy Awards. Um, whatever. It is me, a fucking idiot who doesn't actually know how to make movies, making a movie. But I got to tell you, I I am so proud of this little project. And I personally love it. Now, of course, I love it because I kind of made it to appeal to me. Right. So that means there are going to be some people who don't and some people who do and, and, and whatever it is, it's all fine. I love this movie. Um, I really do. I, I um, this little documentary editorial thing, for those of you who don't know, it's about movie trailers, but specifically it's not really about trailers period. It's about trailers and the trailers relationship with the audience. So it's not just some, um, academic look at the history of trailers and, uh, you know, and, and the different, whatever. It, it, there's a little bit of that. There is a bit of that in the movie, but it, it's really a focus on trailers, where they came from and how the, how directly how the relationship that trailers have with the audience and how that relationship between trailers and us as the audience has changed and evolved and how that relationship has changed trailers and how trailers have changed the audience. And I got some wonderful people who, uh, who appear in it. And, uh, and all I can tell you is soon, uh, soon, you're going to be able to see this movie soon. Definitely by the end of the year, definitely by the end of the year, I'm thinking by the end of October right now, if everything goes well by the end of October, uh, there will be ways for you to watch the movie. So, uh, keep your eyes open for it. Thank you, Eric, for giving me an opportunity to plug it. Um, and, uh, yes, it is coming soon. It is coming soon. Thank you for bringing it up, man. All right. An anonymous viewer writes, 
my top 10 in no particular order, Star Wars Trilogy, Lord of the Rings, Forrest Gump, Toy Story, Wizard of Oz, Disney's Aladdin. Oh, I love that movie so much. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Good to see that. Get some love. Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Love all those films. Let me see. How many? One, two. Um, two of your films are in my, two of your top 10 are also in my top 10. That's a beautiful thing about top tens are also wildly diverse, I, but I love every single one of the movies you got on your list anonymous. Well said. All right. Dex star writes, hello, hope all is well. All is well. Dexter. Thank you for asking. I'm a cinephile, but not snobby. The lost world. Jurassic park is my favorite film of all time. Right after Huxan. I'm not even familiar with that film. I was thinking with MCU slash DC being so impactful would maybe would maybe an Iron Man, Winter Soldier, or Dark Knight be criterion level? Um, I don't know what you mean by that. I don't know what you mean by that. Like, what do you mean? Are they criterion level? Well, first of all, criterion is just a subjective thing as anything else is. Are you are you asking, like, could those movies being as popular as they are today, could those pop possibly consider like criterion collection level kind of stuff? I, 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 it all depends. It depends on the personal tastes of those who adjudicate such things. So I'm not really sure. But I've never heard anybody say Jurassic Park Lost World is their favorite movie. I've never heard anybody say that. And so it's really cool to hear it. So thanks for sharing that, Dexstar. All right, Dexstar also writes, Hello again. Kenneth Branagh always gets me excited. I agree. Me too. I don't love everything Kenneth Branagh's done. Like, I'm not a big fan of Murder on the Orient Express, even though I was really looking forward to it. Um, before I even saw Cinderella, I heard Cinderella was like, what the fudge is this? And even with Thor, the most slept on MCU movie ever made. So many great emotional moments. So well made. Cinderella and Thor are awesome. Listen, bar none to me. Um... Thor, or Man of Steel, the Superman film, Man of Steel, starring Henry Cavill, is the most underrated comic book movie of all time. That That's by a mile, easy. But to me, the second most underrated comic book movie of all time is indeed Thor. Kenneth Branagh's Thor, I believe it's the second most underrated comic book movie ever made. Uh, I absolutely love the film. And his Cinderella, Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella, is masterful. I love that movie. And I think Disney has a very hit and miss record with their live action adaptations. But Cinderella was special. I, I, I just, I love Cinderella with Lily James. I just thought that was absolutely fantastic. And I love what he did with that deck star. All right, next up, uh, James Bonner writes, tips in $20. Thank you, James, for supporting the channel on that level, man. We really appreciate that here. Um, good morning, all. Just watched the episode of Cold Case Aaron was in. I remember the episode quite well. The show was one of my favorite cop dramas uh, with its use of flashbacks and multiple cast members to play younger and older versions of characters. Yeah, that was one of the first shows that I ever watched Aaron in. Um, it was one of the first, now the first thing I had ever seen Aaron in was bitch slap the movie she referenced earlier, uh, that she did with, uh, Amarika Olivo and, uh, Julia Voth. I really like bitch slap. It was a real fun little movie. Um, that was the only thing I'd ever really seen her in. And then she did a movie of mine. And then the first TV thing I saw her in was cold case. I believe that was before she did Spartacus. I, I I might not be remembering it correctly, but I think that was before she did Spartacus. So I think that was the first TV thing I saw her in. Then, of course, she got the role 
and Spartacus, Asura and Spartacus, Spartacus's wife. And obviously she, she killed it in that. And then she's been in like 20 shows since. But I think that was the first thing I remember. She had a little viewing party at her place in Hollywood. So me and a bunch of other people went down to watch her episode of Cold Case uh, in Hollywood. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad you remember that one, James. All right. Missy, Missy writes. Um. <laughs> Sir, you look very handsome with your slightly longer hair and side parting. Just saying, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm struggling with my hair. I'm struggling with my hair. You guys know who have watched me for any period of time. I generally like to keep my hair shorter, right? I generally like to keep the hair shorter. I like to keep it uh, tidy, tight, all that kind of stuff. That's how I generally like to keep my hair. It has been a bit of a struggle. And once my hair, see, I can't do my hair the way I normally do my hair once my hair gets to a certain length like this. And I just don't know what else to do with it other than to brush it to the side. I think I look like an eight-year-old boy, personally. But my wife loves it. I don't know why. Anne loves my hair like this. She doesn't want me to get my hair cut. It drives me crazy. I, I, I have no idea. That's why most days you'll see me wearing, like, the hat. I'll wear the hat most days. Uh, so I've, I've got to do it that way, unfortunately. Um, but um, but thank you for adding your commentary on that. Uh, you and my wife. You and my wife like my hair like this. So I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Should I keep growing it? I, I used to have hair like down to here. Like back in my band playing days, I used to have like hair down to here. I do miss that. I just don't think I have the patience to grow it out to that length. But uh, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Thank you, Missy. That's very nice of you to say. All right. Next up. Anonymous viewer writes, uh, become a huge fan of your show last month. Oh, thank you so much for that. Uh, it's the single best YouTube movie talk show. Do you consider yourself a member of the fandom menace? Uh, do you think there's a toxic fan contingent? P.S. Aaron, you're a beautiful woman inside and out. Uh, no, I am. I am definitely not a member of uh, fandom menace. No, I have nothing to say about them. Uh, I mean, positively or negative. I have nothing to say about it. Uh, but all I will say is that I am definitely not uh, a member of that. No. But I, I, again, I, I'm not making any criticism. I'm not ma making any commentary on it at all. I'm just definitely not uh, a member of that. No. Uh, never lose your nerd rights. I'm sorry, but I have to respond to all the crybaby saying Tenet was too loud. I went to see it in Dolby Digital because I want the loud sounds and bass. For me, it was less hard to follow than Inception, but it was great sound and was no issue for me. Well, I mean, first off, never lose. You, you lost me when you start instantly. You said people who are making the observation that the sound is too loud for them to enjoy just coming out and calling them crybabies. There's nothing crybabyish about pointing out a technical flaw in a film. Maybe you didn't experience the same technical flaw. Maybe it didn't for you, and maybe I won't either. But you lose anybody who's going to listen to you when you just start off when talking about a technical issue in a film and saying people were pointing out a legitimate technical issue as being crybaby. So you just kind of lost anybody wanting to hear what you had to say at that point. All right, Taj and Cars writes, Haha, it was just me a few months back who, who suggested COVID heist. Glad they stole the idea. Now, if Hollywood could steal my Predator movie set in the height of the Mayan era, like the flashbacks in uh, Alien vs. Predator, think Stargate with a twist. Yeah, I mean, listen, the idea of a heist story, because if you think about it, if you think about it, the, the core idea of a world being in lockdown, being ripe for a heist, right? 
I think it just kind of writes itself in many ways. I think there's a lot. I think just in many ways, it just kind of writes itself. So I think it's a great idea. I, I am over and done right now. Maybe in 10 years, I'll be up for Predator again, but I'm kind of done on Predator uh, altogether. I'm not interested in anything but back in time, whatever. Not interested, to be honest. But uh, to ask me again in a few years, because I was really sold on this latest Predator that Shane Black did, because I love Shane Black. I thought the trailers looked great. And that movie, it's all subjective, granted, but that movie was terrible. And all Predator stuff had been terrible. I mean, there was that one where they're on the, the foreign planet where they brought humans there as a, as a game reserve, a hunting reserve. That one was not bad. That one was not bad. But for the most part, they'd really struggled. So I'm kind of over the Predator stuff. Maybe again in five or ten years, I might be ready to try it again. But for now, I'm just kind of, uh, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at on it right now. Anyway, guys, that will do it for today's installment of the John Campia Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show a part of your day. Thanks again to Aaron and Joey for being here. Thank you to all of you guys who made this show a part of your day. And a special thank you to all of you who sent in those live comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel while you did it. And all of us here on this channel, thank you guys very much for that. Don't forget, guys, if you haven't done so already, click on that subscribe button. Become a subscriber to the channel. And guys, make sure to come back and check us out tomorrow. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. My name is John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.